Five o'clock in pirate country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Championship tonight, do we? College football playoff championship, the Ohio State, Alabama. Bama, nine-point favorite, over-under, somewhere between 74 and 75. Brett McMurphy from Stadium in seconds on the game. Uh, We've got uh, big numbers on the Nickelodeon broadcast of the otherwise pedestrian Saints-Bears game. A coach got slimed. Uh, interesting game. A lot of uh, social media chatter still from the uh, Steelers after the uh, Browns just boat raced them last night. Uh, we've got uh, Sean Brace, IBX Media alum, now at Fox Sports Radio, the gambler in Philadelphia. Talked to him a little earlier today. We'll bring you that later in the show. In fact, when we talked to him, the Doug Peterson news had just come down that he is no longer the coach of the Birds. Uh, Pirate basketball needs to get into a groove, so says Joe Dooley. So that coming up in our Pirate Report. Uh, ben Byram across the way. Hello, Ben. Hey, Ben. What's going on, uh, man? We got Brett. We got him all. All right, there we go. Brett McMurphy. Stadium, always a thrill when we get to speak to Brett. He's so good. Uh, Brett, thank you for doing this on uh, Championship Monday uh, here. We really appreciate it. Good to talk to you again. Thanks. Good uh, Good afternoon, early evening. Yeah, good to have you on. All right. Uh, we got Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. I guess Sean Wade will be on him. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon. Give me uh, another player or maybe some other players you know, folks maybe need to keep an eye on tonight uh, in this game that could be a difference maker in your mind. Uh, well, Jalen Waddle, if he plays, Alabama's wide receiver. He's been out since October, since a uh, fractured ankle against Tennessee. Uh, he will be a game-time decision. Uh, before the season, I think most, uh, most people thought that he would be Alabama's best offensive weapon. So now if you're able to bring him back into the fold, uh, adding to all the people you just mentioned, Jones, Harris, Smith, um, which, oh, by the way, um, put up the best numbers for an Alabama offense in school history. And now you're bringing back Jalen Waddle against an Ohio State defense that ranked 93rd in the country out of 127 teams as far as opponents' completion percentage. Uh, that's going to be a big challenge for the Buckeyes. Um, yeah. Because you know, you're facing a quarterback that has the top – Completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, yada, yada, yada. And now you're adding another weapon for him. So that's going to be a big challenge for Ohio State. Um, and then defensively for Alabama, Patrick Sertain, I think he'll be the best defensive player on the field, the, the star cornerback from, from Alabama. And I think uh, Nick Saban will probably have a different defensive philosophy than Clemson did, and that is take away the deep pass from Ohio State. And obviously Sertain will be a big part of that. How healthy are you hearing uh, Justin Fields is or is not? 
you know, I've heard the same things you guys have heard, and that is absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, again, this is this is no inside information. It's just kind of doing this for a long time. Sometimes you learn more from what people don't tell you than what they tell you. And so basically, Brian Day has not told us anything. Um, he's fine. Uh, he, we expect him to play. He's good to go. Um, and that's great. And I'm not saying they should disclose if he can or can't play. I just wonder if he's going to be at 100%. Um, and I think even if he is, it's going to be it's going to be tough for Ohio State because, look, the Clemson game was their A-plus-plus game. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they talked about that game for a year. They had this the last year's score in the, in the locker room on the video board, and then, you know, Dabo, the Coupe de Gras, votes him 11th the week before the game. So they were focused 1,000% on that game, and it showed. I mean, they, they, they seal-clubbed Clemson. And now – I'm not saying they're going to be flat, but now it's hard for any team to come off a performance that good and follow up with another performance that good. So I think that's going to be a challenge. And obviously, if Fields is not 100%, because look, 350 yards passing, he had the same number of incompletions as touchdown passes, and that was six. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to duplicate. So yeah. I think we'll find out early <laughs> if he's at 100% or not. I expect him to play. And I hope he's at 100% because we want to see Ohio State at their best and, and Alabama at their best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great to talk to Brett McMurphy. He's with us here from Stadium, uh, the uh, preeminent, uh, if not, uh, well, he, I would say the preeminent uh, college football uh, journalist uh, in, uh, in North America. I mean, does a fantastic job. It's great to talk to uh, Brett uh, again here. We talked to him before the season. Hey, uh, did you think when we were talking back in, in August, September, whenever it was, that we would we'd be here today? You know, I didn't, and it's not that I didn't want, I wanted us to be be here. I didn't think we would be, and that was based on what the commissioners and the athletic directors and the leaders of college football were saying at the time. Now, obviously, they changed, <laughs> a lot of things changed from, from the summer months or the early fall months. Um, but back, remember back then, there was a big concern about, well, we can't play games if there's no no fans in the stands. That was like mm-hmm. that Jack Swarbridge, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's AD said that. A number of people said that behind the scenes. And that's fine. They changed their mind. They said that. There was also concern, well, if the entire student body can't be on campus, we're not going to play games. Well, they changed the tune on that, which is great. I'm happy. I'm glad we had a season. So, um, But to specifically answer your question, based on what these people were saying at that time, yeah, I'm surprised that we ended up with the season. But as we saw how fluid this whole whole season was, whether it was what those individuals said or whether it was a, the Big Ten canceling their season in August and then coming back and saying, wait, wait, we're, we're going to start, we're just going to start late. Um, everything kind of changed on the fly. And never before had we seen oh, that, that drastic of changes from what people had said and done in the past. So, but I'm, I'm glad we got there. I know every, you know, it sounds weird, but, I want this. I want to have a great game, but I'm so ready for this season to be over with. So hopefully next year we can have a, you know, a, a season where we have actual non-conference games. I tweeted out something. Um, I did a story today that the top non-conference mm-hmm. games from 2021. You know, remember the good old days back in 2019 where we had these these top non-conference games. We'll have them again next year. Hopefully things return to normal. And so yeah, it's 
it's been a unique season, um, no no doubt, but credit to, to Alabama and Ohio State for making it this far. Do the Buckeyes, uh, this sounds a little crazy, but but I, I think based on how they got in, being placed in, and again, there's a lot of different ways to look at the, the selection of the four teams, but the, the in, in your thinking and then for what fans are perceiving and what uh, people that watch college football are perceiving are the Buckeyes deserved as far as being a participant tonight? Well, as far as the fans, if they're a big 10 fan, then yes, if they're not a big 10, 10 affiliation, <laughs> they're going to say no. But I think, so I don't even consider what the fans think because obviously they're short for fanatics. But I do think people that, that follow football like myself that, that can evaluate teams and talent, I'll, I'll ask you, who who other than Ohio State should be in this game? And I can't I can't come up with somebody. Yeah. If you can, then let me know. Because they they beat Clemson. Clemson handled Notre Dame. Um, who, who do you want to put up there next? Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Georgia. I don't know who you'd put up there. But at least in the power ratings, Ohio State would be a uh, touchdown favorite doesn't guarantee they're going to beat them but yeah it's unfortunate the games were canceled they only played half the season but look and you know Dabo was like well I'm not going to rank anyone on my top 10 that didn't play more than six games well you know what Dabo if it was switched and Clemson would have only played six games he would have ranked Clemson at his top 10 that's why I have a problem with with all <laughs> right. these people that are making these arguments because it's it's whatever strengthens their their viewpoint. And the bottom line is, if Ohio State would have got games, if Ohio State would have said, you know what, we're not going to play these games because we think it's going to hurt our chance to get to the playoff, then I may have a problem with it. They right. didn't do that. The ACC did that. Clemson and Notre Dame did that. But they still got to the playoff. That's fine. They played. They lost. I think Ohio State 100% deserves to be in, in this game. But I do think overall, as far as the entire season – I do think this season deserves an asterisk, not the national champion, but just the overall season. So yeah. if a team's got a losing season like Penn State or you didn't go to a bowl game, I don't necessarily think that should count against any ongoing streaks because of just a crazy, wild, bizarre year it was. We've got Brett McMurphy uh, with us from Stadium. Uh, yeah, if, if Clemson had only played the six games, it would have been uh, Dabo saying, uh, poor little old Clemson again. But uh, I, I hear what you're yeah. saying there. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Ross Dellinger, we've had Ross on um, and yeah. uh, does great work. Uh, I guess he had a Q&A with Greg Sankey today. But Greg Sankey kind of in a uh, the SEC commissioner kind of in a, a veiled way maybe not so veiled, kind of took some shots at the uh, Ohio State uh, schedule or at least the the mindset of the Big Ten. Kind of speaking to what you said there, the SEC saying, you know, we were in this from the very beginning. We were going to play no matter what, and uh, we never wavered uh, on that fact. I guess, again, taking shots at really the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to, to a degree. Uh, and maybe some others, Mountain West, to a lesser extent, I'm sure, uh, who decided to, to reinstate things. Uh, did you perceive that as kind of a shot from Sankey in that same vein of what you were speaking about a moment ago? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was at the Mountain West. I, I don't think the SEC right. was at the Mountain West. I was just trying to be a big tent. I'm, I'm being a big tent here today, uh, Brett. <laughs> okay. But don't leave out uh, the Mac. Uh, yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was a shot at the big tent. And I don't necessarily think it was a shot at the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 had some unique situations going on there with their individual states. Like the state of California, they teams couldn't even practice. They couldn't even get, you know, in, in gatherings larger than four or five people. So 
the government was not allowing a lot of Pac-12 schools to even consider playing. So that's why the people wonder, well, why does the Pac-12 get a pass? Because they they were they couldn't practice even if they wanted to. And then still, you had teams like Stanford that, that had to leave the state to practice. Um, you know, they had to spend two weeks in Oregon and in Washington to play to play uh, to play their games. Um, so th- I put them out of the mix. The Big Ten, though, yeah, that was a shot, and that's not that's not any secret. The big reason is two things. One, the Big Ten deciding to one go conference only. All of the Power Five commissioners had been meeting on daily calls mm-hmm. during that time in the summer, just discussing things, keeping everybody up to date on what's going on, and then the Big. Big Ten decides, hey, you know what, we're going to announce we're going to do conference only, and it caught the other leagues by surprise. Why they did that, no one still knows to that day, but it appears to be that they did that because they wanted to prove that they were superior, that they were above everybody else, and so they were going to do that. So, lack of a better word, they pissed everybody else off because of that. Um, There was no, no strategy to do that. They didn't gain anything from that, and then they decided, the presidents, the commissioner, the athletic directors decided we're not going to play. They overplayed their hand. They thought if they announced they weren't going to play, that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 would do the same. They knew the Pac-12 would because the Pac-12 does everything the Big 10 does. And because right. of those reasons I mentioned earlier, they, they just simply couldn't play. So they overplayed their hand. The Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC said, you know what, we're not going to cancel. We're going to continue to monitor this. And if somehow we can play, we're going to play. And they stuck it out. They played. And so, yeah, that's why you got those comments from Greg Sankey um, with Ross. Um, yeah, because it's how the, how, how the Big Ten handled it and because they made that decision trying to pressure these other leagues not to play. Ultimately, the, the bluff got called, and then the Big Ten, you know, at the last minute decided, oh, wait, we're going to go ahead and play this, this shortened schedule with these enhanced Rules for COVID, well, wait, uh, Ohio State can't go to the playoffs. Well, wait, we're going to change it again. I have no problem with that, them doing that. That's their conference. They're going to do what's best for their conference. But it just looks look a little wishy-washy when you're, when you're coming out saying you're going to do these things, right. and then you literally change it on the fly multiple times. It's, I think that's the issue a lot of folks, um, the aforementioned fans, and others maybe had with, with Ohio State. It was really what the Big Ten was doing. Uh, changing the rules as they go along. Uh, we've got Brett McMurphy with us here. Uh, Urban Meyer, just to shift gears here, uh, do you feel like we will see him on an NFL sideline next year? If he's offered a job, yes. Um, and that's still to be determined. I do think if, if Urban does go to the Jaguars, I know that he would not have anything done today, tonight, to overshadow Ohio State's game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we'll find we could find out maybe as early as Tuesday if if that's going to happen. He's uh, you know as others have reported, he's putting a, a staff together. Um, you know, I just I just wonder that you know how much losses impacted him at Ohio State. I mean, every every practice, every play, every every practice play was a fourth and goal at the one situation and that that war on the team and that that war on urban and he had some health issues so obviously he's had some time off i thought he did a really good job on tv but now he he wants to go back and coach that's great but you know he's going to lose more games in one year than he probably did in five years at ohio state so how's he going to be able to deal with that i think that's something 
um, you know, we'll have to look at long term. But I think it it boils down to if he's offered a job, yes, he will be. You'll be coaching in the NFL, and looks like with the Jaguars, and you know, you would think it would be Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. But you know, who knows? He may offer for someone else with the number one pick. All right, we've got uh, Brett McMurphy Stadium. Uh, a couple more things I wanted to ask you here. Let's let's say uh, Ohio State wins tonight. What can this do for Ryan Day's legacy? What does a loss do to the to the Saban aura? Um, well, I mean, Ryan Day, he, I mean, he, before the season, he said, when the season got canceled, he said it was a shame because this was a once-in-a-lifetime team. Um, well, he, he, he would have been dead on if they win this thing. I mean, he's already considered, I think, one of the top five coaches in college football right now. Um, probably the youngest of that group. Um, you know, we were talking about Urban in the NFL. I think Ryan Day ultimately ends up in the NFL. He, he's been an assistant for two years at the NFL level. He has said he will not interview for jobs this year. And I understand why. I've got later on tonight, I'll, I'll be tweeting out at Brett underscore McMurphy, my incredibly way too early preseason top 25. <laughs> right. And not even dependent on what happens tonight, I've got a, Ohio State is my number one team next year. So that's how much talent they have coming back. And so, um, you know, it would be huge for Ryan Day to do that. Um, and as far as Alabama, I don't think it's going to say, oh, you know, Saban can't win the big one. I mean, <laughs> that's a joke. But, um, you know, certainly it would it would keep him from passing Bear Bryant with his seventh national title. He's trying to tie Bryant um, for a number of national championships at Alabama was six, and it would be a seventh overall, which nobody has ever done. But certainly it would be a big disappointment when you look at the, um, like we talked about earlier, this is the greatest offense in the history of Alabama, um, and if you get Waddle back. So I think that would be a surprise if Alabama loses this thing. But, hey, Ohio, State's, uh, Ohio State beat them the only time they played in, in the playoff in 2014, so it's not like it's impossible. Um, but I think in, as far as, Alabama, I've got them a close number two on my way too early top 25 next year. Um, because every year, you know, we hear the same song and dance. Well, Alabama's losing four players in the top 15. Oh, they're losing a coordinator. And what happens? Save and reload. So I expect more of the same next year. Um, but it would obviously, it would benefit Ohio State and Ryan Day a lot more than it would hurt Alabama or Nick Saban if the Buckeyes do pull off the upset. Who do you like tonight? What's your feeling going into this? I think Alabama's going to win because I think the, uh, what I talked about earlier about Ohio State's defensive defensive challenges, three of the last four games by halftime, Alabama has scored 35 points by halftime. So what is, what's different with this game than other games? The biggest difference is in the second half all season, if you followed Alabama at all, basically Saban has, has taken his foot off the pedal in the second half. One, because yeah. he didn't need to score. He was upset by so much. He didn't want to get injuries. He knew the final, the final goal of the national title game. And so tonight, I'm not saying he's going to try to run it up. He, I don't think he has anything against Ryan Day or trying to prove a point. But he simply, they'll continue to keep playing. And also Sark in his final, final appearance with, with Alabama, also to show recruits at Texas, I'm sure he wants to score as much as he can and obviously finish on a high note with Jones, Harris, Smith, and everybody else. Um, and, all, and then on the other side of that, I think Ohio State realizes 
their best chance to win is not do what Notre Dame did and take the air out of the ball, but do the opposite. Play as mm-hmm. fast as they can because look mm-hmm. at the two games. Alabama's defense really struggled. Ole Miss and Florida. Ole Miss had 48. Um, Florida had 46. Both of them went up tempo. Both out of them scored a lot because you're going to have to try to outscore Alabama. And it's going to be like a tennis match almost in that which defense can break serve a couple of times, and that will be the team that ends up winning. I just think Alabama is so, so superior on offense. And then you've got the questions with Justin Fields, is he 100%? And then you've got, you know, we'll find out, I guess, an hour before kickoff, uh, COVID issues with Ohio State. Yeah. They could be without two defensive linemen. Um, look, Ohio State's proven they can pull off the upset. I just think there's too many things going against them. Combine that with what resonates with me the most is Ohio State defense coordinator Kerry Combs um, laying on the ground after beating Clemson doing confetti angels on the on the floor celebrating that win. And look, all kudos to them. But to me, that just showed what that game meant to them. And it's hard to replicate that two games in a row. Again, I don't think they're flat, but Alabama won the game. They're like, okay, cool. We got one more to go. I right. think they're peaking at the right time. I just think that everything aligned for Alabama to win. So there you go. You know, take Ohio State and they win by four touchdowns. Hey, Brett, great to talk to I'll you. Thanks for taking yeah. <laughs> the always early, uh, always too early top 25 also tonight uh, at Brett underscore McMurphy. Uh, Brett McMurphy with Stadium. Brett, thanks a lot. Great to talk to you. We'll uh, catch up soon, I hope. Thank you. All right. Uh, great to have him on. Uh, all right. We'll break. Uh, ben, we'll do our pirate report next. Uh, watch some of the pirates over the weekend. Ben, you were there in person. We'll share our thoughts on what ECU needs to do to get back on track as they go to Cincinnati Wednesday. Uh, that when we return next. Play Travis in the mornings, Adam Gold midday, and Patrick Johnson on the way home. You guys are a good team. We've been slept all week, but thanks. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. So tonight it is uh, the Joe Dooley Radio Show coming your way at 6 o'clock. Immediately following us here on uh, 94.3 The Game. Uh, Pirates lose to USF at home on uh, Saturday. Uh, Tremont Robinson White with 29 hit 3 out of 6 from behind the arc. Pirates though were without uh, Tristan Newton again, and then, uh, no, Noah Farrakhan, which, uh, Jaden Gardner sort of alludes to, uh, here in cut 13, Ben, you have that one queued up. Let's play that. This is Jaden Gardner who didn't start the game. Well, more on that in a minute. Jaden did finish with, uh, 10 points and 10 rebounds. Did not shoot the ball very well from the floor, though, hitting just one out of uh, three on average shots. Uh, but this is Jaden Gardner on why he has uh, struggled in recent games. Um, just getting in, you just got to get back to a routine. We've had COVID, we had a lot, we had a lot of COVID issues the last two weeks. Um, so we've, we've had a lot going on. We couldn't even practice yesterday. Uh, we had a lot going on these last two weeks. Uh, got, still got Tristan out. Tristan will be back soon. He was out with COVID. Just got another guy out with uh, COVID. Um, so we just got to get back in a rhythm of having practices and then game and then practices in the game. You got to get back in the rhythm. 
And uh, that was sort of the, one of the reasons why Jaden Gardner did not start on Saturday. Cut 11. Oh, no. I already knew coming in because uh, I was dealing with some stuff this week uh, with concussion protocol and close contact stuff. So coach already let me know I was coming up against today. So that really didn't affect me. She's still playing hard out there. So uh, they didn't really do it. Yeah. All right. This is Jaden Gardner's uh, reaction to the loss against USF. It was a tough one. Um, just a weird type of game. Uh, just a very slow paced game. Not really our style. Uh, had to lead in the first half. Went on a run, and they went on a run, and then they went on a bigger run. But then we came back and almost able to almost able to finish up the comeback. But it, it was that was a tough one. That was a tough one. He talked about uh, the performance from Tremont Robinson White. Uh, Tremont's a great player. He was reading the, the defense all night, and we, that's why we ran a lot of ball screen stuff so he can make a lot of quick decisions. And that's what he did. Tremont uh, is a really good player downhill. He can get to the rim. He can shoot. Um, he's a really great player, and I love playing with him. So sky's the limit for him, and he had a great performance in that. Sound like somebody might have been heating up some ramen noodles or something there, Ben, in the background. A little post-game uh, meal there. Yeah, some carbs and some other stuff. Uh, the difficulty of dealing with the long layoff between games and the COVID protocols. Jaden Gardner. Um, it's different. Uh, it's really different. Uh, it's it's hard and challenging at times, but we have to figure out a way to get through it because uh, it's happening to everyone else in the country. So we just got to be able to lock in and uh, get back to what we do. He sounded upbeat afterwards, didn't he, Ben? Yeah. He seemed I, upbeat. I, I think he knows this is a stretch they could probably overcome. It get any easier. There'll be no, uh, at least as of now, no off week or off game this week. Uh, as uh, they will play Wednesday against uh, Cincinnati on the road, 5 o'clock, so it'll uh, preempt us here on uh, Wednesday. This is uh, Joe Dooley's reaction to the loss against the uh, Bulls of South Florida. Well, we got to give South Florida credit for that stretch to start the second half. I thought we had a decent enough start, and uh, obviously uh, Brown got on a little bit of a roll. They made the four straight threes, and uh, you know we, we put ourselves in a little bit of a, a, a pinch and uh, had some stretches where I thought we did some really good things. I also had some stretches where, you know, we, we played some really bad basketball and uh, we've got to clean that up quickly. You know, he's asked about not having uh, Newton in the lineup again, asked about being thin at the point guard position. Uh, we both think Ben shot selection and uh, my guy, TJ long uh, texted me today, you know, uh, kind of alluding to that too. The shot selection was not the greatest in the world. Let's hit that one first uh, cut for, uh, Pirates uh, just didn't seem to to be in any kind of rhythm. We're not taking very good shots. Yeah, we didn't turn it over. I mean, and, and I thought we did some things, but you know, the big thing is sometimes bad shots are the same as the turnover. I thought we had, a, I thought we charted ourselves as one for eight or one for nine from bad shots. So that's you know that goes from eleven turnovers to twenty turnovers, and then you, you factor in a couple other deals of um, scouting report mistakes, uh, not paying attention to, you know, with tendencies, a guy's a left-handed driver, don't let him go left. We let him go left. Those are things that are, are concentration deals, not ability deals. Uh, Joe says not being able to practice in a normal routine due to COVID did certainly have a, a, an effect and was a factor in the loss Saturday. You know, it does. I mean, we, we've, we've got to be better. I mean, it's not ideal, but people are dealing with this every day and, and, you know, we're not going to use those things as excuses because they, you know, South Florida showed up, they played. If you're playing 
you know, not practicing as like we'd like to yesterday has nothing to do with the lane violation or, or, you know, those type of deals. That's, that's, that has nothing to do with, with that. That's us paying attention. We got to do a better job of coaching and making sure they, they realize these things. And he looks ahead to the Cincinnati Bearcats who are coming off a six point loss against Wichita state. Well, they've had a little bit, you know, they, you look at their out of conference schedule. They played Tennessee. They had a really tough out, out of conference schedule bounced back and had a really good win at SMU on Monday night. I was able to watch a little bit of the second half. I thought they, they played really hard. They were very impressive in, in, the, in the bits and pieces I watched on the second half. And uh, we'll get to work on them as soon as, uh, you know, tonight, as soon as we're done cleaning up the tape from, from ourselves this afternoon. Tough, uh, tough loss. Uh, and two, in, in many ways, kind of bad losses. One, you look, I understand you go on the road. It's you're playing a team again after playing them before and, you're playing them in their building, referring to the two-lane situation here. But, I mean, that's that's a game you got to win. And then, boy, I mean, this it wasn't like this team was so great and they were beatable. It's just mental errors. Yeah. I mean, you just look at it. You're looking at Luigi DeBoe here. Played like 11, fouls out. 11 minutes. Only, only played 11 minutes and fouls out immediately. Like, you just can't be having that when you go into conference play. Especially no. when it's your starting center. I mean... Well, and of all the the remaining seven foot bodies on your roster, he is he right now has been the most apt. There's just there's not a lot of consistency right now. There were some guys who didn't play a lot of minutes that maybe should have guys that played too many minutes. And I, I just you got to think a lot of it is because they're trying to, you know, they're missing practice. I mean, usually you know this time in the year you are working back a little bit from a holiday break. Uh, and you start to kind of see guys maybe even hit the stride yeah. from a conditioning standpoint. To me, it, it maybe some of that's conditioning. Maybe guys aren't that great conditioned right now and can't play the minutes that they're needed to play because they're, they're fatigued because there's just been no consistency. I mean, people that are runners can't take any real major time off from running unless it's kind of, you know, rehab after an event yeah, exactly, or, or a marathon or something. But I mean, if, you know, they, you just can't do that and keep your wind. So uh, we'll see uh, more on the ECU Cincinnati matchup tomorrow. Uh, right now, Ben Byram with an update ahead of uh, a conversation with our guy, Sean Brace. We're going to handicap the game tonight for entertainment purposes only national championship game for the college football playoff or the college football playoff championship more appropriately. And uh, we've also got uh, some thoughts on uh, things going on in the NFL, particularly out of Philadelphia and the big news there today with the Eagles. Here is Ben Byram uh, with uh, other headlines and more uh, ahead of Sean Brace joining us on the PJ show. Take it away, Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barham here for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Pirate basketball lost their second straight game for the first time this season at home Saturday to the USF Bulls. South Florida defeated ECU 63-69. Pirate guard Tremont Robinson-White tried to carry the Pirate offense on his back and rally back late. Ultimately fell short. Robinson-White, despite the loss, had a career highs as he scored 29 points and two rebounds. They're at a spot on the American Athletic Conference's weekly honor roll list. Ford Jaden Gardner had a double-double in that game, complimented the offensive ability of Robinson White after the game. Uh, Tremont's a great player. He was reading the, the defense all night, and we, that's why we ran a lot of ball screen stuff, so he can make a lot of quick decisions, and that's what he did. Tremont uh, is a really good player downhill. He can get to the rim, he can shoot. Um, he's a really great player, and I love playing with him. So the sky's the limit for him, and he had a great performance. 
Empire basketball head coach Joe Dooley would go in detail about the loss to preview their upcoming matchup against the Cincinnati Bearcats immediately following our show at 6 on the Joe Dooley Show right here on 94.3 The Game. Elsewhere in college basketball, we had an American Conference matchup that just ended moments ago. SMU stomps Temple 79-68. to Only one interesting game of note tipping off later tonight is former American Athletic Conference member 25th ranked UConn battles DePaul at 6. The UConn Huskies are favored by 4.5 points with the over-under at 140 and a half. In high school hoops, only one game locally is 4-5 JP2 travels to 1-5 Liberty Christian. Big night tonight in college football, obviously, as we can count down to the college football national championship game between top-ranked Alabama and third-seeded Ohio State, set to kick off at 8. The current spread is the Crimson Tide favored by 9 with the over-under at 75. A little news from that game is Nick Saban has announced that star receiver Jalen Waddle will be announced as a game-time decision for that matchup. Elsewhere in college football, the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame class was announced. And those headlining the class include Eastern Illinois quarterback Tony Romo, USC quarterback Carson Palmer, Clemson running back C.J. Spiller, Kansas State running back Darren Sproles, and former Oklahoma head coach Bob Stoops. Other notables include former Carolina Panther and Miami linebacker Dan Morgan and former UNC offensive tackle Harris Burton. From the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles have fired head coach Derek, Doug Peterson at their five seasons in the Super Bowl. The Panthers and the Dolphins coaching staffs have been selected to the coach to coach the 2021 Reese's Senior Bowl. Our Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski is on track to rejoin the Browns on the sidelines for their upcoming game against the Chiefs. Wrapping up for Major League Baseball, newly acquired New York Mets shortstop Francisco Lindor has announced he's open to signing a long-term deal with the team. And the Washington Nationals have signed former Cubs outfielder Kyle Schwarber to a one-year deal worth $10 million. If you're 94th of the game sports update, I'm Ben Byram. Outkick with Clay Travis. If the White House reaches out and says the president would like to do your show, the answer is always going to be okay. Period. And if that upsets you, you can go listen to a much less successful radio show somewhere else in the country. Every morning, 6 till 9 on Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. championship game tonight uh, and we earlier in the day had the chance to talk to the uh, host of the daily ticket with sean brace happily named because sean brace hosts it uh we talked to him a little earlier in the day you remember him as uh not only a guy this past fall that was on our saturday locks and uh he and, and a fellow ibx media alum john jansen were tearing it up in that segment uh he got his start here in greenville the Yankee boy at the time, but now a huge star in Philly. Radio, TV, the whole nine. Sean Brace joining us to talk a little, for entertainment purposes only, uh, numbers for the national championship game and some NFL tonight, uh, or this weekend, I should say. Sean, how are you? Uh, And don't forget, Instagram uh, exercise star. I'm an influencer when it comes to exercising these days on Instagram. What? I do a lot of squats and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the protein mixes, all that. Give me a follow, at Sean underscore Brace. I thought you were with the skull shaver. I didn't realize you were doing all this no. other. 
Man, come on. Are you kidding me? I feel like Bear Bryant these days, man, after that. Uh, I don't even know what that means. But after that Christmas vacation, I put on a couple of LBs. It's ridiculous these days. But, man, everything is great up here in Philly. How about yourself down there in We're, beautiful Greenville, North Carolina? We, we miss you as we always, as we have since you fled the country. But we are, we're happy to have you on the phone. And um, we're just having a lot of fun here, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, I saw right. at least earlier today, around midday, Bama was bet up to nine, which tells me Vegas wants a little, or whoever, the, the odds makers, want a little more action on Ohio State. Kind of, as we're talking to you at this moment, where are they and what's your feeling on this? Um, as far as Ohio State goes, it's very interesting because I'll tell you, Justin Fields, it, he he opened my eyes. Of course, we knew going into this uh, Final Four of college football that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one overall pick. Justin Fields cemented himself as that number two overall pick in this upcoming draft because of what he did in that last game against Clemson. Now, what I'm connecting the dots here is he was the ultimate difference maker all season long for Ohio State, of course, but number two in that last game. Where's he at as far as health is concerned right now? He took that hit, at what, in the second half of that game against Clemson? Mm-hmm. And uh, from, from what we're being told, he isn't 100%. So does that affect him throwing the deep ball? That's a huge question I have right now. Because Patrick Johnson, the one thing we know about this Alabama team is they can score in bunches. So Ohio State has to match them mano for mano, and they got to get touchdowns. But if Justin Fields isn't healthy, I'm a little, I'm a little, in, I'm a little nervous about my selection right now. I'm going with Ohio State. Ooh. It's a nine-point spread. Yeah. That's a lot of points in a national championship game. I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to say, okay, I saw enough from Ohio State. These are the two best teams in college football. We knew, we knew at the beginning of the year, I think we could have said Clemson was up there with these two teams, but nobody's shocked that we see a national championship game tonight between Alabama and Clemson, or excuse me, Alabama and Ohio State. Yeah. So for me, uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, a good game, and I like Ohio State to hang with Bama here. Okay. Do you like the 74 over under? It's a lot of points, and I could the, what, the last time Alabama won a national championship game was against Georgia. I think they won 23-20. That was a tight, tight game. I, I don't see it being a, a defensive battle like that game was. I expect these offenses to shine. There's just too much star power on the field. Yeah. You know, you're talking about Trey Sermon, Ohio State running back. You know, what he's been doing as of late, uh, putting Ezekiel Elliott behind him in the Ohio State uh, record books. Uh, Justin Fields is the best quarterback to ever wear an Ohio State uniform. Alabama, we know what they bring to the table. Uh, A guy that nobody, you know, look, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's a lot of diehard football fans that knew knew of Devonta Smith, but there were a lot of people (laughs) that were like, who? He won the Heisman Trophy? Ah, I thought they were going to give it to quarterback. You know, like there's just star power all across this field. So if you were to play on the total, you got to go over that 75, 74. Yeah. God, that just seems like a lot of points. But I think you're right. This also isn't the same Bama program that won 23-20 because they've opened up the offense. But it just seems like a lot of points for a championship game. I don't know. We, Absolutely. We, well, you know you know how it is. It's just, you know, especially with this day and age, as far as offense, you got to get the ball down the field. And that's yeah. why Justin Fields, he opened my eyes in that game against Clemson. You know, when it comes to – defensive, you know, uh, defensive units in college football, Clemson has to be up there with the best of the best. 
You know, you're not going to beat them from a missed assignment. And it seemed like how many times did they get burned over the top in that game? Yeah. And to me, I, I, I don't, I didn't look at it as it was a missed assignment. I just thought it was more of the, the skills on the outside. And if you got that type of speed and you got a quarterback that could throw you the deep ball, I mean, it feels looked like Mahomes does with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not trying to say he is that guy, <laughs> right. he but looked he like had it. Yeah. absolute cannon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great to have our guy Sean Brace with us. Uh, started down here in Greenville. Uh, has blown up uh, big time there in the uh, in the Philadelphia market. Uh, the daily ticket three to six. Uh, Sean, if you're listening to this now, by the way, we talked to Sean a little earlier in the day, but uh, we wanted to, we got him on right before his show. That's the magic of radio. The big news in your market today, and I'm sure Sean, if you're listening to Sean right now, or anytime this afternoon, you listen to him from three to six. He's been ranting about this is Philadelphia canning Doug Peterson. I thought he was bulletproof because he brought you all a Super Bowl. It's a loaded question. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Um, things get a little complicated in Philadelphia, and a lot has to do with the fan base. A lot has to do with the front offices. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's never a, just a normal day in the sports world up here because of how passionate. I love yeah. using that word, right? So, the, how passionate we are up here, and Doug Peterson apparently over the weekend. Now, I never thought he was going to lose his job because the one thing the owner is here in Philadelphia is absolutely loyal. And he was loyal to Andy Reid for sure. 14, seasons, 14 seasons. Even when Andy Reid was 4-12 and 12 in a season, he still stuck with them 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, it's just the list goes on of the reasons why you never think something like this happened. And as you pointed out, Doug Peterson won the only championship, only Super Bowl in franchise history. Um but to me, there are other people that should have went before him, including Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that seems to be not the case. From what we understand over the weekend, the meeting that they had, Doug Peterson and the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, they didn't seem to uh, connect on uh, the hiring and firing of some new offensive uh, coordinators, bringing them in and uh, making some changes. Doug Peterson was not comfortable with that, and I believe that's where the butting of the head started i still did not think that would lead us to where we're at right now and you are exactly right literally just broke a couple minutes ago doug peterson and the eagles are officially done so who is who is the coach there i mean and and does jalen hurt stays the quarter i mean a lot of questions to be answered but i mean what's your initial what is your initial uh take on all this now what will we what are people missing you say right now my initial take is carson Wentz opened it up and that's the problem here look I was not happy with that selection of Jalen Hurts when he was drafted in the second round last year. I didn't think that there was any need for it. A, I thought that it would bring nothing but problems, especially as I pointed out with this fan base. But ultimately, I had confidence in Carson Wentz showing up every single Sunday as he has been putting on the Eagles uniform and leading them to victory, including that previous year when he won four straight games against division opponents and led them to the NFC East title when I can't even remember who some of the wide receivers were out there. <laughs> I might as well have been putting the pads on. It was ridiculous. Carson Wentz was an animal on the field for the Eagles. And then this year, whether it's you know a, a combination of bad coaching, bad drafting, bad playing, him having a bad season, it just all fell apart. And it opened the door for Jalen Hurts to get PT. After you're watching Jalen Hurts play, and we're talking about Justin Fields, we're talking about what the future is of the NFL. Uh. You got to have a guy that can stretch the field and make plays and throw the ball deep. I never got that vibe from Jalen Hurts. Is he a solid leader? Is he a solid football player? Absolutely. But if Carson Wentz can return to form, he is hands down the better of the two quarterbacks. 
So for me, I think the smartest thing is to get in somebody in with fresh blood, somebody, maybe a Lincoln Riley. Can we dial <laughs> Lincoln Riley and bring him to Philadelphia? That would be nice. And I'll tell you right now, I know John Jansen would probably sign up for that right now. But you bring in Lincoln Riley. And now you have a guy that can come in. He's comfortable with Jalen Hurts. He's going to try and make it work with Carson Wentz, and then we'll see what we have. But this is not going to be an easy spot for whoever is being brought in as the new head coach. All right. uh, The great Sean Brace with us. Uh, He and John Jansen, IBX media alums, they got their start here, and they have uh, soared to uh, superstardom in Philadelphia. Fox Sports, the gambler. There's the iHeartRadio app. You can pick up the station and Sean's show daily uh, there. Uh, we uh, recorded this with Sean a little earlier. He's good enough to give us a few minutes on a big breaking news day. Uh, give me a quick uh, couple of uh, looks at the lines for the NFL weekend and what your thoughts are and where they may go. Uh, we can go Rams-Packers first if you want to. Rams-Packers. I looked at this line, P-Man. I love the Rams. Now, obviously, still uh, dealing with some injuries themselves. Goff, not 100%. You saw that in that game. And, of course, Aaron Donald. We'll see what happens with him. But bottom line is, that's a lot of points. I like the Rams to keep it interesting against the Green Bay Packers. Give me the Packers by a field goal. Wow. Okay. All right. Also, Saturday in the night, uh, Ravens-Bills from Buffalo. I think there's one team that could beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that, that is the Buffalo Bills. The only issue I have with the Bills right now is they are kind of one-dimensional. They don't really have a, a running attack, uh, of course, with Moss being hurt now. Uh, and now Singletary is being the lead back. They don't really have a back that they can depend on to move the football. But at the same time, they got some star power on the outside. I mean, come on, Josh Allen's just a stud back there. I love their defense. I think the Buffalo Bills can make the Super Bowl. I love them this weekend against the Ravens. Okay. Uh, Browns-Chiefs, AFC game Sunday at 3. Got to come to an end eventually, right? <laughs> uh, the Browns, had, you know, it's just incredible. Look, they can beat up on that Pittsburgh Steelers team, and they did yesterday. Uh, but eventually, you, you're going to go up against the team that has uh, the skills, uh, some receivers that can make some plays down the field. And and like I said, it's a great story for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield has made a lot of people look bad. But bottom line is, when you when you're going up against the team like the Kansas City Chiefs. You better be able to go match them for touchdown for touchdown. I don't see the Browns being able to do that. All right, Sean Brace with us here. Uh, last one. Uh, again, and this is about a week away, uh, but Bucks saints that'll be the late game Sunday. Tom Brady in a spot that I think he can go in and win because two parts. One, there is no fans inside that dome, and I think that's a huge deal kind of evens things up, takes the home field element out yeah. of things. And I just feel like the, the Saints, they're just not a team that can get the ball down the field. I, I watched yesterday's game. I wasn't all that impressed. On the flip side of that, I thought Brady and that Bucks offense looked really good Saturday night. Uh, I like Tom Brady to, to make things interesting and, and flirt with another trip to the Super Bowl and get to an NC Championship game here. All right, uh, the great Sean Brace with us here. Uh, Fox Sports, the gambler. Up in Philadelphia, iHeartRadio app. You can pick him up there weekdays at 3. Uh, Jansen on at night. Uh, and uh, our guy, John Jansen, uh, as well, uh, with Sean up there. Uh, any any props for tonight's game that are that might be interesting for entertainment purposes Inter- only? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you, I'm on the Ohio State side of things. Clearly. You know, and Clearly. I like, 
Yes. Yeah, I'm on the exactly. I'm on the Ohio State side of things. So I I like Sermon to get over his yards. I like Justin Fields to get over his yards as far as the props is concerned. Uh, now they took him down a lot of these props because of they're still waiting to hear as far as whether or not Waddle will be out right, there right. or Justin Fields what his health is. But um, I'm going to lean partial towards Ohio State doing the plus side on, on on what they have on offense. So give me the over on Sermon as he has just lit it up these last two games. Give Give me the over on fields as far as rushing the football and uh, maybe as far as points are concerned. Go total points on Ohio State. I think that's at 31. I'll take the over on that one. We love it when we get a chance to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure, P-Man. Go Pirates! Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis and the Dan Patrick Show. You guys are awesome. Weekday mornings on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. And now... The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, Ben, who do you like tonight? I like Alabama. Yeah. I think the offense is going to be too much for Ohio State. Too many questions surrounding the Buckeyes. Well, McMurphy had kind of convinced me of Alabama, but Brace has kind of convinced me of Ohio State, although I think Brace is... Also looking at it as Ohio State more covering. I, I think it's close. I think Alabama wins, and I just I don't think they go over the over for what that's worth. Yeah, I don't think so either. So we'll wrap it all up for you tomorrow, recap it. One more Pirate basketball as they'll take on Cincinnati Wednesday. And uh, much, much more. Thanks to Brett McMurphy from Stadium. We've posted his way-too-early top 25 for 2021 for college football on our social media. We've got a poll up. Who do you think's going to win? Go to Twitter at 943 the game. Bama overwhelmingly the favorite so far, but vote in that poll you can do so right up until the kick. Thanks to Sean Brace. Also, thanks to Ben Byram. Joe Dooley Show next.